0: I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel.
1: And I'm Dale Dunwald. You're listening to The Source.
0: Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters
1: who wrote them. When someone is the victim of domestic abuse, they must often overcome threats of violence, personal embarrassment, or even social stigma as they seek help. But as a team of reporters from the Oklahoman and Telemundo chronicled in stories published this week, some survivors also face the United States immigration system.
0: And a note for our listeners here, this week's podcast includes a discussion about domestic violence and, and might include graphic or unsettling details. Joining us today is Josh Delaney, one of the reporters on that team. He collaborated with former Oklahoman reporter and former Source co-host Caleb Branch and Telemundo journalist Cecilia Hernandez-Cromwell and Eva Morales. Josh, you spoke with several survivors of domestic abuse for this project. They're all Hispanic immigrants who overcame not just the abuse, but also the threat of losing their homes and families if they sought help. Can you describe for us the kind of situation these women experienced?
2: Yes, so they um, are, are often uh, immigrants themselves. It's uh, very common for them to have even moved to Oklahoma uh, from other states with their uh, spouses or intimate partners as they look for work and try to uh, settle down and grow uh, families. Um, they are often uh, homemakers and they are often at the uh, mercy of their abusers. Uh, they live under uh, uh, threats of having their, uh, their, their uh, uh, families cut off from them and potentially being deported. This is a common threat that they get from uh, their intimate partners or, the, or their spouses. Uh, just general threats of being uh, they themselves uh, uh, reported to law, for, law enforcement or being told that they shouldn't get law enforcement involved because it's going to break up their families that the provider who is the uh, the, the spouse the, the, the intimate partner might be deported himself, and that, that will bring disaster upon uh, the family income and the family well-being and upon the children. Uh, so there are a lot of common threads that uh, run through the, the lives of these victims.
1: Josh, it's easy to say that during the Trump administration, many immigrants were concerned about being deported Were uh, concerned about the barriers that were in place um, as they tried to gain permanent resident status. Uh, but there is evidence to back this up. For example, you reported that a special visa for uh, use um, by domestic abuse victims and others were woefully underutilized and that new applications fell dramatically over the past four years. Why is that?
2: The experts say commonly that it was out of fear of what the previous administration uh, would do. We know that uh, Trump in, in much of his rhetoric took a hardline stance against those who are undocumented in the country. Uh, that spreads throughout the immigrant community. And so that stirred up a lot of fear. So it
0: didn't take the community very long, um, communities around the country to decide, I'm not going to take my life in my hands and go be a victim or, if, the, if I'm gonna get you know reported to ICE or turned over to ICE, I'm not gonna call the police when I'm beaten or when I'm raped or when I'm robbed.
2: And we did see, uh, according to federal statistics, that applications for those visas uh, that would provide some protections to abused immigrants, uh, those applications did fall uh, during during the, the four years of, of Trump's administration.
1: Now, a uh, quick question is, can an abuse victim
2: be deported in, I would, I would say in theory, yes. And, uh, uh, the, the, the issue as a reporter is that that's hard to track, uh, statistically. Um, it's hard to put, uh, numbers on that just as it's hard to put numbers on the, um, prevalence of abuse itself. um, now, this particular visa, it's called the U visa, and it's designed to help victims of, of mental and physical abuse who work with law enforcement in their in their investigations into things like domestic violence and sexual assault and, and trafficking um, and, and those types of issues. So if a, if a victim is willing to work with law enforcement uh, on this issue, they're not going to uh, necessarily be deported, under, uh, uh, they won't be under this visa. Now, I've spoken with law enforcement uh, uh, officials and they have told me that when when they get called out on a domestic violence case, they are not aiming to, looking for, or targeting a deportation uh, in, in that instance, they are simply looking to help the victim and get a perpetrator uh, arrested and potentially charged and, and brought before court. So they have, they have told us that they are not aiming to, uh, if somebody calls on, on those types of cases, to, to round up victims for deportation.
0: Do we know how prevalent domestic abuse is in the Hispanic and immigrant community, especially in comparison to other races and ethnicities?
2: So experts in this field, and when I say experts, I mean um, uh, university professors, researchers, uh, advocates that work in, in uh, shelters and, and other uh, outreach uh, Communities, they will say themselves these numbers are very hard to come by. It's hard to disaggregate by uh, race or, or ethnicity. Um, uh, you know who is who is being uh, uh, abused in an intimate uh, partnership. Uh, that said, and that, well, they will they'll also say a lot of it is self-reported. There are some numbers out there. Um, In, I think it was 2017, uh, the CDC conducted what they called a National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey, and it actually showed that the rate of uh, domestic violence is lower in the Hispanic community, uh, at least by reported statistics, than in white, black, and and other uh, communities. Uh, That said... The experts, researchers, and advocates suggest that other communities in the U.S. uh, uh, don't have as much fear of reporting uh, domestic violence as is true in the Hispanic immigrant community and that in the Hispanic immigrant community, uh, the cases might go widely unreported uh, because there are fears of, of deportation, there is a distrust of authorities, uh, there's a language barrier as well. So when we look at the numbers, it's it's lower in the Hispanic community generally than in other uh, demographics in the U.S., but again, the experts have, have told us that is uh, a number that is very hard to, to come by. Um, in uh, in Oklahoma, uh, by law, the uh, statistical reports by law enforcement agencies—we're talking police departments, sheriff's offices—they um, don't include the names of uh, 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 victims of, of domestic abuse, or uh, what I mean by that is any information that would serve to identify. Um, those people as they report into, uh, uh, into the system. They're not trying to give away who these people are uh, to protect them, uh, but there's also, and so it's hard to get uh, the demographics. I know in Oklahoma City, they don't break it out uh, that way, th- they don't break out the incidents by uh, demographics, but um, the uh, Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, Uh, They told us um, that while those demographics aren't currently collected by what's called the Uniform Crime Reporting System, I was trying to think of that name earlier, uh, they did say that uh, based on FBI guidelines, states are starting to transition to a state incident-based reporting system that could contain uh, some demographics if those local law enforcement agencies uh, wish to include it, so it's uh, it's very hard to gauge uh, these these numbers.
1: Now, Josh, if someone is listening to this and knows someone who needs help, where can they go?
2: Well, there are several uh, places uh, here in the Oklahoma City metro uh, that people can call. Uh, I would start with the the Oklahoma Domestic Violence Hotline, and that phone number is eight 800- hundred. Five two two seven two three three. There's an organization called La Luz, which provides services to Latino victims of domestic violence and sexual assault and stalking. Um, their services are they're confidential and free. Uh, they are uh, culturally and linguistically uh, informed. There's another group called Palomar that provides protection. Um, and services for um, uh, victims of of domestic violence. And, of course, there's uh, the YWCA in Oklahoma City. So I would say those uh, three groups are are great to start with. We interviewed uh, several people uh, with those organizations. And, again, that's the uh, YWCA, Oklahoma City. The other group is called Palomar. And there's one called La Luz. That's two words, L A. L-U-Z.
0: The YWCA and its support programs helped Blanca Kaiser, one of the women you guys profiled. Uh, I was wondering if you could share us some of her story and what her message is to other Hispanic women who are in a dangerous situation.
2: So Blanca Kaiser uh, ended up in an emergency room uh, back in 2013. Um, While she was in the emergency room here in Oklahoma City, People had made some phone calls, and uh, well, what, what had happened is somebody had noticed uh, her. Uh, they started looking at her injuries. Somebody called the hospital, actually, and reported that she had been assaulted uh, by her boyfriend. Uh, police show up at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Kaiser had been with this guy for about two years. He had struck her in the head. He had pulled her hair. He... Uh, bit her in the face and bit her in the ear. Uh, so it was very traumatic. It was very violent. Uh, Blanca is um, she's a, a, a Guatemalan uh, immigrant, and uh, after this attack happened, she faked a stomach illness so that her her boyfriend would would take her to the hospital. He was uh, arrested, but then a few months later he uh, he assaulted her again. Uh, in their apartment. And on that occasion, he held a rag that had uh, been doused in ammonia over her mouth. Uh, He was threatening to kill her and and threatening to kill uh, her children. And uh, one day when her kids were at school, she told her boyfriend she was going to go to work so that she could leave the apartment. And she went out and... um, uh, actually went to a police station and made a, a police report. Um, and that's one of the issues that that is is common is how do women uh, physically escape these situations? And in her case, she uh, uh, thankfully was able to get out um, through a, a creative lie. And that's what you need to do a lot of times to uh, get out of these situations. Uh, she had a court advocate with the YWCA that attended formal uh, legal proceedings with her and kind of helped her uh, through uh, the, the the process. So uh, she has survived. Uh, she is doing well. Um, and. Uh, she says that the y, you know, uh, YWCA was, was very helpful in terms of um, working with her um, and working with those who are frightened because um, uh, they're undocumented. Or uh, even, if, even if Hispanic women are documented, there's still, still a fear in a lot of the community that they might well be deported or somebody in their family is going to be deported because of this if the police get involved um so she's uh, she's she's doing good
1: now aside from the threat of being deported if they come forward that uh, these abuse victims might face from their partners um people from other countries might not know how our justice system works they might not know how police works uh, another woman that you spoke with she thought she couldn't file a police report uh, against her husband um, can you talk a little bit about that? And also, uh, you reported that police departments are sometimes inadequately prepared to handle this kind of situation, having to, to talk to an abuse victim and even someone uh, who may not have English as their first language. Uh, what more can police do to educate and help these victims?
2: On the first question, depending uh, what depending on what country you're from and their various laws, um, You know, perhaps women don't have as many rights uh, as they do here in the U.S. There's also uh, lingering fears in some cultures uh, that um, if a woman gets out of the situation, she could be breaking what is known as family or home abandonment laws, uh, which is not uh, the case here in the United States. So a lot of the... Cultural um, uh, upbringings that women have—they, they, you know, like a lot of us—we bring it with us wherever we go, and there are a lot of assumptions made about law enforcement uh, here. Um, but, uh, and again, in speaking with, with uh, police officers and other people in law enforcement for this story, they—they uh, they have made assurances that at least their departments aren't out. Uh, trying to uh, get get victims deported. Now, I will say uh, there are uh, plenty of abusers who have been deported. Uh, so, if you're you, if, a, if if an abuser is in the country illegally, they are very likely, if they get caught and go through the justice system, they are very likely uh, going to be deported. But that's the that's the challenge that so many. Uh, Uh, victims face they don't want to break up their families Um, as bad as the situation is I I heard one advocate tell me that she has seen women and children come to her office to discuss these issues and how to get out of the abusive situation and the children are crying because they are afraid that uh, Papa is gonna be forced out of the country and that is the reality that many women uh, are dealing with. Now, in terms of police forces, law enforcement agencies, um, a lot of them are uh, have either well-developed uh, programs or they are developing programs uh, where uh, officers and advocates are not only bilingual. Uh, not only can they speak uh, Spanish well, but they also, understand uh, cultural differences and cultural cues. Uh, They can read, read people for a lack of of a, uh, you know, more uh, refined term. Uh, So they get to understand where victims are coming from so they can relate to them so they can better help them because victims and advocates will say, uh, once you start with a language barrier, a lot of other problems, Flow from that—that that there's not an understanding that um, that say a a typical police officer um, you know might might have for them uh, that that typical uh, officer is there to solve a crime and and uh, take a report so they can be a bit harsh, a bit hard, a bit quick uh, with victims. Again, that's a that's an anecdote, but that's you know, a, a common refrain from both victims and advocates. So uh, as much as, as, as budgets will allow, um, and depending on the needs of, of the various communities, uh, it's important to have uh, people who can engage with the Hispanic community um, on, on several different levels and to help at least quell uh, some of the fears that they have in, in dealing with law enforcement.
0: And we've also learned that the COVID-19 pandemic had an impact on domestic abuse rates. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yes, that was a, a common concern and a common conjecture because during the uh, lockdowns of 2020, the theory was as people are, are forced to stay home more or encouraged to stay home more, that might lead to uh, more instances of domestic violence and that uh, women who are stuck in these situations wouldn't be able to uh, get out as much or flee the situation as much. So that speculation was there. Uh, There was a study um, that was done by a group called the National Commission on COVID-19 and Criminal Justice. They uh, reviewed uh, about a dozen studies in the U.S. Uh, These came uh, from, it was basically data compiled from several different cities. um, And they said that in those jurisdictions, um, that domestic violence incidents increased by about 8% after those particular cities imposed uh, what they called pandemic-related lockdown orders. Uh, there was uh, a caveat um, in that, the, the the commission, they said that uh, the reports on domestic violence during the lockdowns mainly relied on police calls for service, um, but the commission's own review uh, looked at studies that pulled data from different crime reports and, and emergency hotline registries, hospital and other uh, health records as well as different uh, individual uh, administrative documents. That's a lot of uh, in-the-weeds lingo there. But um, they said uh, in the report that the, um, that while the precise dynamics driving the increase were unclear in those areas, um, that the lockdowns and, and, and other uh, impacts, such as economic impacts, during the pandemic, likely exacerbated the factors typically associated with domestic violence. So things like increased male employment, you know, having having the man home more, um, stress associated with child care, uh, child care and homeschooling, um, and just generally increased financial insecurity. Um, and so, also during the pandemic, you had these um, really poor mental health coping strategies uh, such as, uh, drinking more, uh, using drugs. And, and when you do that, that can elevate the risk of abuse, uh, or abuse instances within a domestic partner, uh, 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 partnership. So the evidence is anecdotal. There was a look at, at, at a handful of cities. Uh, the studies in those cities suggested that it did go up. Um, but I suspect there's going to be fuller uh, reports that are going to come out in in uh, in the next few months and in the next few years. Um, some one of one of the experts told me, one of the advocates told me that um, in her outreach group that um, many uh, of of the women in her group were actually planning to leave the relationship when COVID hit, but. They couldn't stay with family and friends, uh, because of the lockdown, because, you know, people were crowded in homes. And, uh, another thing that she said was that, uh, out of health safety issues and stopping the spread of COVID, that the capacity at a lot of shelters had, uh, actually, uh, decreased. So, uh, this is layers and layers and layers of, uh, complexity uh, wrapped up in, in, in this particular issue and, and COVID and lockdowns.
1: Well, Josh, thank you so much for uh, talking to us about your stories and for your work in highlighting the stories of these women who went through abuse and others who, um, like we mentioned earlier, face the, the United States uh, immigration system and who are worried about that. I want to thank you so much for, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman's subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at Oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.